This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek, show number 291, recorded on January 5th, first time of the year, 2017. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find them. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studio. We're in a very cold Bellevue, Nebraska. Kevin, you guys are, I think, probably equally as cold and maybe a little even more snow than us, right? Uh, snow's been a little light. We've had an uh, ice storm here uh, over Christmas weekend, which has hung around, and it's, uh, it was negative 8 this morning, so Yikes. it's been cold. Yikes. Yeah, we I six was this morning, and we felt pretty bad. But I always think about you when I'm getting ready to complain about the cold weather. I always think, ah, Kevin Schoonover has it worse than me. And uh, and then I just feel warm and drive to work. Of course, we post a show with world-class show notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. I want to remind you, don't forget to use our new, our new, I always say that. I need to take that out of the notes because it's not a new anymore. Use our mobile app, uh, easy to get, easy to subscribe to. Just head out to homegadgetgeeks.com, and you can download that for both iPhone and Android. Great way to listen on the road. Really the best way to listen on the road. It streams it really, really, really well. So if you're not going to be able to join us live on Thursday nights from your PC, you can join us live. It's audio only, but you can join us live from our app. Again, I want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that app and uh, Home gadgetgeeks.com. If you're interested in supporting Home Gadget Geeks, of course, we now have a Patreon link. It's available for you. On the website, if you just head out there, look at the right-hand side toolbar, and you'll see it just the graphics says Patreon. Click on it, or you can head out to theaverageguy.tv slash support. One and $5 plans, do it for a month, continue to do it. We always appreciate your support. kind of helps us keep the lights on, literally, here uh, on Home Gadget Geeks, and we appreciate your support, and thanks for doing that. All right, well, Kevin Schoonover is back with us tonight. It's always great to have Kevin on. We always have a hardware-a-palooza uh, it seems like Kevin, when we have you on, bring it, bring in and talk about that. Welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Hey, glad to be back. Uh, good, good to have you. We um, we talked a little bit about the weather, uh, but you guys seem. I mean, I, after a while, you kind of just get you kind of get insulated to it, right? You don't. I mean, oh, yeah. I, like negative nine, you think, oh my god. But we have that as we try to move people to Omaha from other parts of the country for work. You know, and they they always kind of lament about the weather. You just get used to it, right? You get you get kind of thick skinned. You, you you do. I, I think you get used to it. And uh, luckily, around here, it seems like when it is in the uh, single digits or negative single digits, uh, the air is so dry it doesn't feel that cold. So, as long as the wind stays down, it's uh, it's a dry cold. <laughs> it's a dry, <laughs> yeah, it's a dry cold. You get used to it, so mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's very cool. Well, we're glad you're here with us it, tonight. We um, are in the midst. If you're listening to the recorded version of this, we're in the midst of CES, and of course, if you haven't ever been to a CES or you've never heard of CES, of course, it is the largest consumer electronics show ever. I think in the world, maybe quite possibly. That and it's just miles and miles and miles of gadgets and gear and stuff, Dave. McCabe is out there. If you want to follow him, McCabe.io. He is on the ground uh, as we speak. We used to, he and I used to partner on that. And uh, we would, I would broadcast it live here and interview. And we have a live stream going on. We quit that a couple of years ago. As some of the big players were doing that as well. And then I think, Kevin, I'm not sure if there's the fervor around CES anymore like there used to be. I mean, it was 
five or six, five years ago, it was really cool to do that kind of stuff. And I think today, change maybe the I, I can just get our news from a few bloggers and maybe the, the the main sites. Where are you getting? Where are you following anything specifically for CES right now? You know, I think um, through Twitter, I've been getting good coverage. Um, I I have a quite a set of, of course, the phone always rings whenever I start a podcast. Um, I, I would dive for it, but I won't. Um, That's right. Let it ring. It's fine. Um, a lot of the computer vendors, so, you know, the, the likes of Samsung and such, and uh, a lot of the uh, motherboard guys, networking guys, um, I, I you know, have follow all them on Twitter, so I've been getting a lot of good feedback uh, that way. Uh, a lot of them, kind of the things that I've been interested in is following guys like Qualcomm, who um, are the semiconductor chip guys that are in most of your um, uh, you know, high-performance, low-power phones, tablets, devices. Qualcomm also is in most of the Wi-Fi products, so as we were joking around before the show, you know, mesh Wi-Fi is hot, uh, a hot ticket. And a lot of that is, uh, you know, majority of these guys are using the same chipsets from Qualcomm or Broadcom or one of the you know, major chipset vendors of this technology. And uh, to me, a lot of the magic is what they're wrapping around it and uh, the user interface, the apps and the things that they tie to it. So, uh, but the underlying thing is the um, you know the semiconductor stuff is the enabling technology that brings this stuff out. So yeah, I've been following uh, Dave and a lot of the other folks that are down there. I feel like I'm getting good coverage that way out of it. Um, I, you know, my my uh, secret side to this is uh, just the fact that um, you go out to uh, Google and type in uh, top things at CES today, and that's probably one of your best spots to get uh, all the cool stuff that happened at CES today. Yeah, it, it, we were in pre-show. I was joking. There's a, a a robot that will fold your laundry for you. You literally put your laundry in the bottom uh, bottom basket, walk away, and come back. And I don't know if it's a half an hour, an hour. It's not the it's not lightning fast, from what I understand. But it will fold your t-shirts and your and and regular shirts and your undies and your pants for you. No socks is what they said in there. No socks, which. Would be interesting because it'd only be a matter of time before machine learning. Because right, the hard part of folding socks is finding the one that's missing, <laughs> right? And so it would have to pair them up, and I, I imagine that would take uh, that's going to take a little bit of work. Uh, I would be particularly excited about that. You mentioned Qualcomm, and I want to get your opinion on this. Of course, those lower energy chips are going to make their way into Windows devices here end of the year, maybe first of next year before mm -hmm. we really see them. Windows is writing an ARM version that will, you know, a kind of a second run at Windows RT that emulates some 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 Win32 apps. We hear a lot about this on, on Windows Weekly if you're one of those listeners. Kevin, what do you think as you think about now the PC market and Intel struggling really to kind of stay relevant and, and Qualcomm coming along and really providing some low power chips? Can Could we see in the next three to five years kind of a cutover to ARM? where ARM gets powerful enough that for most people it runs the PC or runs whatever they need it to run. Do you see that happening in the next three to five years? Yeah, I, I think we'll see it a couple of different ways is, uh, you know, just as, as things march on with the um, 
the Android camp and the uh, Apple camp. And of course, the Apple camp breaks into um, ARM on the tablets and phones and Intel on the PCs. But, you know, more and more we're finding people can get done what they need to get done on a regular basis on a tablet-like device, whether it's reading email or uh, keeping up on uh, well you know that your your apps of choice so yeah i think the compute market is shifting from that point of view and uh also i you know, i guess the other thing i see is that um there used to be such a love affair between microsoft and intel and i just don't you know i, I won't say it's that they don't that the the love affair is over but um i don't necessarily that they that they view each other as um required for their success, so to say. So, you know, we keep hearing rumblings out of Microsoft um, revamping this idea of, well, hey, maybe we could do um, x86, you know, 32-bit apps on top of ARM and have it be decent performance or uh, back to the the unified app model. Well, you know, you could do something there with, um, you know, don't call it RT, but you could bring back an OS like that. Um, I don't know if they'll head down that route, but I, I think there's a lot of things that could happen from that point of view. Um, and, you know, the compute structure out there continues to evolve and change. Yeah, I get the feeling, you know, for the average user, next three to five years, Android or iOS is enough, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I think we're going to bring productivity apps to those platforms. How weird would that be that, you know, the Apple platform would be the majority and the Windows platform would then become in that same space that the Apple platform or that the, yeah, that the Apple platform was in oh so long ago and we, it was a niche player and it was, you know, you had very, very loyal fans to it who said, no, this is the best thing. I mean, uh, the next update for Windows right, is called the Creators Update. And here Microsoft's making a play at these artists and these creators traditionally, which had been in the Apple space. And now, uh, you know, iOS has become the average guy OS for the most part mm -hmm. when we think about that. Even, you know, even uh, Mac, the Mac OS has dropped way off in usage as everybody has really moved on to the phone and iPad. Do can you see a day when our compute devices for work? And this is where really the rubber meets the road, like in the enterprise. Uh, we can talk about consumers all day long. But do you see a, a spot where the enterprise starts switching over to productivity apps that are Android or or iOS based? No, I, I think you will see a lot of that, and I think that that gets back to um, depending on you know forever we talked in the enterprise about um, workloads and desktop PCs and virtual desktop and then mobile users and you know, how you put all this stuff together. And, you know, the trend that I see a lot more of these days is, you know, do I really even need a PC? You know, so I'm, you know, whatever your position is in the company, do you, um, do you actually do real computer work? Uh, or is it data entry, order entry type of stuff? Is it uh, um, going in and, uh, you know, it, yeah, I always looked at the days where you had to log in through a VPN on a PC and then log into the mainframe or the, the, you know, server environment and then go to an application. Well, now companies are writing apps for that and their Android apps, their Apple apps, their apps that are deliverable on their own. So, yeah, I, I think we're starting to see a lot more uh, from the point of view or what I would call traditional 
traditional workers who uh, sit in front of a computer all day, um, it's still it's mostly web-based, browser-based, cloud-based, uh, you know, application routes. So, yeah, I think that model is shifting a lot. That's uh, um, you know, it didn't really take off, but um, HP with that uh, Chrome box and a, you know, a few people building off the uh, Chrome OS and that's merging back in with Android now. Um, they've got a strong push in the uh, in the business community for that, just from the idea that uh, you don't need uh, you don't need this uh, Husky PC to do all you know to do spreadsheets all day long. Yeah, well, you, you don't need it until you need it, and I think right. that has been what's held a lot of people back. Is we still have some workflows that where everyone's used to having max horsepower. They only use it 90, you know, 1% of the time is when they need the horsepower. But mm -hmm. the problem is they get to that, that spot and the traditional atom processor-based or low-end processor-based that have been Intel, those machines just don't work at that point, right? Mm -hmm. And it's slow and it's laggy and it's, it, you know, it doesn't show video well. And so everybody continues to, you know, like, well, okay, I need a Core i3 or I need a Core i5. I need a Windows-based PC, or or they've moved just over to the Mac, right? They're doing it on the Mac side, mm -hmm. but 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 Qualcomm is really making a run at these very efficient mobile chips that will work for in these situations where that one percent it even handles some of those one percent tasks, right? And uh, and I, I could easily, I mean, I, the 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 PC I use at work, I could easily get away with a lower speed. I think I have a Core i five. I could easily get away with a lower, you know, assuming that processor wouldn't choke, and that would always have been the problem, right? The atom processor would get to a point, and then it would just absolutely become unusable. When it did fail, it was a horrible failure, not just like it struggled for a minute and then recovered, right? I mean, it just would, it would just puke on you. Yeah, and along those lines, I think it, uh, so, you know, these days, um, my uh, my Surface 3, it's not a pro, just a regular old Surface 3 Atom-based uh, pro product. That's my grab-and-go. You know, that's uh, OneNote uh, for note-taking, um, browsing, email, you know, just you know, simple uh, data access type of stuff. Um, and then I've got a fairly loaded-down i5 system, which is, uh, you know, my main PC for now. And like you say, it's... It, you know, majority of the things I do, I probably wouldn't need the performance I do, but I've been playing a lot more with uh, CAD type of stuff and drawing, and um, and even that's light enough you can do it on a few things. But um, when you when you need the performance there, it's you, like you said, you're you're going to fall down if somewhere along the way in the enterprise you slated that a group of uh, employees did not need PCs, and then. Uh, job role changed slightly and you rolled out some new application for them and now none of them can do their job because the uh, the PC doesn't uh, support what they need to do. Yeah. And it, it doesn't take, um, it doesn't take that, it doesn't take a user very long to discover, it seems like, how slow or laggy that's going to be when they get there. And then there's very little tolerance for right. it. It's like, oh no, I can't, I can't, just, I can't. You know, I can't, I, I need to have these windows open or what have you. So, well, it'll be interesting to see. We'll have to follow that. I mean, there's a lot of architecture changes that have to take place for windows to survive in that environment. We're all set on the Mac, on the uh, the iOS and on the Android side. That can continue to grow. Those OSs are not ready for prime time. Like in the right. enterprise, you can't, you could not take Android into the enterprise. Now, I think iOS is getting pretty close. And I, I think there's quite a bit there that, where they're getting closer 
Um, and, and that can that does run well mm-hmm. on those chips. Yeah, so, yeah, it does. And and they're 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 probably farther down the line and probably better aligned with uh, with the enterprise uh, end of the world as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be it will be interesting to see how uh, the compute aspect of things uh, evolves over time here. Well, a second ago you mentioned drawing, and uh, what one of the functions, one of the abilities that came and where Microsoft is trying to separate itself, and it's really been trying to do this for 20 years, is to bring ink, right, uh, to bring mm-hmm. writing onto the screen when we think about that. I, I think they finally, and I have a Surface Pro 3, with the pen tips they have, I think they finally have gotten it right. And with the anniversary update, we've got we got a lot of improvements to the Windows Ink space, or the in this case, I think they call it the Windows Ink Workspace. Is that is that something workspace, you've yeah. been working on quite a bit lately? You know, I've been playing with it quite a bit because uh, I've been helping a friend. Um, markup things for him and, and you can do good markup in word but sometimes it's just kind of that idea of grabbing a document and uh and uh inking it up so and i just realized i was going to demo this and i'm not exactly sure how to do that so let's uh oh. <laughs> let's uh let's uh, let's do the entire screen we'll see if you can see my entire screen you were screen sharing can you see my entire screen it's black at the moment there we go all right now i see me so if you see this little swoopy thing down in the corner, that is the Windows Ink workspace. And in Windows 10, if it did not, if yours does not show that, just right click down on the bar at the bottom and go up and make sure show Windows Ink uh, workspace button is checked. I, I think if it doesn't and, have, if it doesn't detect a, a touch screen on install, it shuts it off right. by default. Yep, yep. And that's, and... <laughs> As part of the demo, I'm not on a touch screen, and uh, so it's going to look ugly. Uh, when you pop this up, uh, you know some of the things. A lot of folks like the sticky notes, uh, traditional sticky sticky note type of application. Um, Sketchpad is just a big blank sheet of paper. You can draw on it as you like. Kids love it. Uh, but what I've been doing quite a bit with is so what happened there, and can you? Still see what's up on my screen? I'm assuming. Yeah, so. go ahead and minimize me so you don't have to. Okay. Uh, we don't have to. That might help the video. I, I'm in the workspace now, so oh, let's. Okay. Uh, go ahead. No, go um, ahead. So what what happens is it somewhat takes like a snapshot of your desktop, and, and brings that up in another window that you see here, and then you see the pens across the top. So I was just looking at a spec sheet earlier, and you know, one of the things I've been doing for a friend is marking uh, some some of his drawings up. So you grab a pen and basically gives you a traditional marking type of functions. Um, you've got uh, touch writing in there, so if you were on a touch screen, you can work with that. Um, uh, one of my wife's friends uh, homeschools her kids, so she's done a lot with this of being this using their whiteboard. So they've got a fairly reasonable Windows tablet connected to their TV, and they can go through and uh, you know, basically she can do a lot of the things that traditionally would have required a much larger whiteboard. Um, but the functionality is is pretty good. So you know you can mark things up, you can draw things up, you can add things to them. Then when you go to save, you can uh, button and save it as it uh, comes up as a PNG file. And I meant to check and see if there are other choices there. Uh, I know there's been a lot of requests for PDF, but uh, nothing nothing there yet. So um, 
on a touch device uh, seems to be really um, responsive. I played with it on my um, Surface uh, 3, works really well. Um, and, uh, you know, you can, the, uh, the, so I, I've been using it mainly for that, for the touch-up factors. Um, the uh, uh, Post-it notes, the sticky notes seem to be, you know, for a common area PC, like something you might have in the kitchen. That's a neat way to leave notes for others who are using the same computer. And um, kids, the uh, big sketch pad is, uh, is probably one of the hot items. And yes, I'm drawing with a mouse, so <laughs> it never goes well. <laughs> I, never I, thought you were gonna put a mustache. I thought you were going to put a mustache on me for sure. I <laughs> you had you had your opportunity frozen. I did. I there. did. You could have easily made the. Uh, <laughs> you, you still can't make the mustache mode there. Um, I was. I, I was. Being, it's Minnesota nice. I was being overly kind. <laughs> on on Saturday morning uh, during Ask the Podcast Coach, they ran. We were talking about predictions for the next year, and they said I would have a beard. So you would. You would be, uh, you'd fit right in with them if you would have given me a mustache and beard. <laughs> one of the, one of the areas, Kevin, I find that particularly handy on because I do so much kind of pseudo tech support for our coaches is that um, I like to, if I need to, and I'm trying to show them how to do something, that is the fastest way I have seen yet mm -hmm. to be able to go to the screen, you know, grab the screen and then just mark it up, save it and send it to them. And there's a, a variety of different ways. Well, once you save it, there's some sharing options um, right. in there that allow you to share it uh, different ways. And man, from a markup standpoint, it's just super fast to be able to get that. Hey, it's right here. You know, where is it? I can't find that. And you're like, <laughs> it's, you know, you copy. It's right here, you know, and circle it. So I have found that with the workspace. I have not found uh, the sticky notes uh, as useful. I've been using sticky notes since Windows, I think. The early days of Windows yep. 7 had sticky notes in them, yep. and, uh, and I kind of carried that over Windows 10. I keep one on my desktop kind of as a scratch pad, and I type into it. I don't have a touch screen at work, so I don't use it that way. There's some actually new functionality. Now, here's the problem. As I'm in the Insider, you know, as a Windows Insider, I'm on the newest builds, and I can never remember what's available on the new builds and what's available on the old builds and some of those things. But... There is some functionality in those sticky notes where if you set a reminder and it senses that as a time feature, it'll automatically link, create some links and do some other things along those lines. So they're getting some really good productivity um, gains uh, when we think about uh, inside those sticky notes. Because a lot of people, that's what they were using them for, you know, mm -hmm. uh, make sure I'm here at four o'clock or some of those kinds of things. And it will set reminders for you that way. Uh, and I think that I, I agree with you. I, I've used them a little bit. Uh, probably the best place I've found is uh, is that common area computer that my wife and daughter also use, um, and it's a handy handy way to to leave quick notes that way. And uh, um, but you know, also obviously we're bombarded with email and texting and messaging and and lots of other ways of doing it. So um, just kind of one or more of those open choices. But um, 
I, I do think for education and uh, you know any any you know multiple education routes, whether it's uh, um, school or business education or learning, I, I think there's going to be a lot of homes and a lot of fits for this because you know that's whiteboarding is one of the biggest things we do in the tech world these days, and that idea of, of having a PDF open in front of, or a uh, PowerPoint open in front of you and being able to ink it up and you know have people ask questions and being able to expound upon it and then capture that and give it to them is is very powerful. So I, I do think that one's going to take off. You've, you've by now you've seen the Surface Studio and the new mm-hmm. dial that comes along with it. When we think about inking and some of the capabilities, have you looked at that at all yet? Is that something that you think because you're doing more and more inking, something that you know you'll you'll want to use more? Have you have you taken a peek at it yet? You know, I played with it at the Microsoft Store. My first thing was I, I I just fell into the I'm not a graphic arts guy, so I, I was instantly feeling like it was beyond me. Um, but you know, I mentioned that to one of the people that works there, and they kind of went down the route of um, using the dial for the non-graphic arts type of person, and uh, they had some good points there. So I, I recommend to folks if you're if you're heading by a, a Microsoft store, pop in, have a look at it, have them do a demo for you. And uh, and you know flat out ask the question of well you know, how does this look like for somebody who's not a graphic arts uh, person? Um, I think you know back to some of the CAD and some of the drawing stuff. I think there's going to be some interesting things that will come from that as well. Have you been so in the role that you're in now? You've said CAD a couple times. So has that become has that become more and more important to you in, in the, the work that you're doing? Uh, you know, around home here for pro projects and that I think what it rolls into is um, I I've done so the the ever popular uh, scoondoggy bracket I built was uh, I did that in Visio because Visio is really easy to do two-dimensional types of things and the bracket I can lay out in a fashion and I you know I, I was lucky enough to find a sheet metal guy who could put up with my horrendous CAD cam capabilities and not blow up about it um, and, and it looks good from a 2D point of view. When I got my little 3D printer, then I realized I wanted to print 3D stuff. And uh, I quickly come to find that, uh, you know, I, I'm not a very good 3D drawing type of guy. Um, so I struggled a bit there. The, um, you know, one of the ones that popped up that I, I want to have be successful um, is FreeCAD. And uh, FreeCAD is got some traditional drawing patterns with it, um, but also has some uh, functionality of um, uh, being able to uh, sketch uh, an item and have it uh, have it pop up in uh, uh, as a drawing. Uh, the one that I've used, I think I posted uh, for your for the group in the past is one called Tinkercad. And um, you know, once again, I, I, I don't have a good comparison on these things, but what I do tend to find is Tinkercad seems to um, work well for me. So uh, let me see if I can find, share my screen here. And actually done by the AutoCAD folks. And um, just very simple. You've got your design area. Uh, you can pop back to Tinkercad uh, home base here. So some of my recent attempts at drawings, um, it's really a matter of uh, just dragging boxes over and sizing them. It's probably one of the easiest products I've seen for um, sizing uh, devices, you know, just dragging something over 
you want to put a hole in something, you scroll down, grab a round hole or a square hole, move it onto your drawing, size it, lay it in where you want it to be. Um, you save your drawings by zooming in and out, uh, or you save your drawing, uh, easy zoom in and out um, mode. And, and for a web-based tool, it, uh, it really responds pretty rapidly from a touch and a function point of view. And uh, once you have your design where you want it, you can download it for 3D printing. But as my daughter had noticed, uh, there's a download for Minecraft as well. So uh, for folks who like to code and do mods in Minecraft, they're aiming at that uh, world uh, also. So uh, I've come up with a, this is a little drive bracket I was working on to uh, handle um, uh, my or SATA drives, the 1.8-inch uh, SSDs, and uh, be able to mount them in a certain enclosure I've been working on. So I've been playing with that, and uh, it, this was just a reasonably easy way for me to um, make some designs that are, and, and most of my stuff is fairly boxy, because boxy is easy, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, pop them on my little 3D printer and uh, make copies of them. And then do you use those, I assume, once you get the 3D printed version of it the way you like it, if you wanted that in a metal material, you could pass that CAD drawing on to a fabricator and they could fabricate it for you? Yes. So uh, there's there's a couple of things I've been experimenting with there. Um, these kind of things, I'm I'm looking at just from the point of view as as giveaways. Um, but uh, for some of the other um, server brackets and things that I've been contemplating, um, I am using this as like a prototyping tool to be able to um, look at what uh, you know what I could do um, off off a prototype design and then. And if it works out and everything looks good, take it in and see if somebody could make it out of sheet metal uh, for a you know a, a better production price. 3D printing is uh, is not very expensive. It's pretty affordable, but it also is uh, it's the kind of thing that if you're going to do any kind of production volume, it can get quickly. Yeah, it's it's pretty slow, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it takes time. Uh, you 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 need a lot of machines to crank out good production volume. What did you, Kevin? What did you end up from a three D printer? And you know, I thought by now those would be being made by HP or Canon or those guys, and they're really not. I mean, it, it's it still is a weird market where it seems like the only way to get the best three D printer is through a kit. But <laughs> wh how? What did you buy? What are you using for a three D printer? Oh, it's embarrassing. I can never remember the name of it. I want to say it's 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 Micro 3D. It was a Woot special last Christmas time, and it's been. Uh, it was. Uh, geez, I don't remember. What I paid for it. it. Seems like it was. Uh, it seems like it was like one ninety nine or something like that. It was really. It was a blowout, real inexpensive, um, and it's it's been good. It, I've had no problems with it. Um, the the issues I had to start with are the issues everybody has of uh, putting the right somewhat sticky material down on the um, platen to hold your starts um, laying out uh, um, your drawing on top of it. Um, it starts to uh, uh, slide around a little bit. So you have to get the right amount of stick down on the flat surface that you're printing on. And uh, so, yeah, they, they've been, uh, you know, they've been coming along a, a long ways. Still very slow, like you say, but... Uh, uh, um, for prototyping things, playing with stuff. I know um, 
who's uh, in sixth grade now in, in their science class, they've got a little fabrication area where they come up with little projects and, uh, and print them out over there. Are you, um, uh, do they have different color, um, you know, plastics for, for the printing? Yeah, yeah uh, pretty much uh, every color of the rainbow, it seems like these days. Um, the thing I always have to do a little research on is, uh, you know, the different materials that the uh, printers print with. Um, certain things are better for certain applications. So um, I think the nylon stuff is what I've been using lately. Um, but that's one where I always have to go back and do a little bit of work to uh, figure out uh, what's the uh, what's the right thing to, to use as a material, depending on what you're going to build. And, a little and more they, rigid than others. And like that bracket that you showed, what would be a print time, do you think, to Those, get that bracket? That one takes, uh, I've got it a little too thick right now. That takes uh, about two hours to print the whole thing. It's not too bad. It's just, 3D printing is just not, it didn't take off like I thought it would. I, I, I thought we would see more people doing it, and it just didn't. I mean, the average guy just did not embrace 3D printing at all. It became yeah, a very uh, nerdy, geeky thing, right? It it did, and I, and I think um, I, I think early on when the printers were coming together, you know, a couple of the guys uh, from from your group who live up in the Twin Cities area here were like, you know, AG's one of us should buy one, so the rest of us can use it, um, and and I still think some of the places, um, my, my local micro center store over in st louis park over here they've got one set up you can you can buy time on it to print stuff so um, I, I think that's happening a bit more and more um, but uh, unless you're doing a lot of different things it's kind of tough to justify the overall uh, the overall cost so yeah, yeah. I, I think that's been it it's, it's still pretty expensive and they don't get you with printer ink like they can, you know, still on the printers where they're gonna they're gonna give away the printers for the most part, you know, and then they're gonna mm -hmm. get you they're gonna make the money back. The spools don't seem to be priced that way. They seem to be fairly reasonably priced, and so I think you're actually paying the hardware price when you're buying these things, and they've been pretty expensive to to this date. So it's um every time I think I'm gonna get one, and then I kind of go, oh, what what would I print? <laughs> like, right. You know, it just doesn't. I did see, uh, I did see a cement version one. A big, it was a big. Um, you know, you would, they would put cement in it, and it could pre, it could three D print walls. <laughs> you know, and it would go around real slow. And I thought that was now that was an actually great application, right? Scaled up mm -hmm. to it, if you could make that, it'd be a really efficient way to, you know, to print some of those things in that way. And I think really it'll get more handy when we can print proteins and when we can print, you know, some of those kinds of things beyond just plastic. Um, I, I think it gets pretty handy. Hey, you had mentioned, um, you'd also mentioned in the show notes that, you know, we, first of all, are you, which digital assistant have you landed on? Are you a Amazon guy? Have you gone Google? Are you using Cortana? What are you using? Uh, Cortana has been my main one so far. Um, I just never, never jumped on uh, um, Amazon Echo or uh, Google. Um, kind of waiting to see how things play out. So I, I 
Obviously, with all the Windows stuff I have, I have Cortana readily available, so that's what I've been using a lot of. What have you like? Like, what are you finding? Like, I'm I'm kind of I just built a new rig for myself. It's a little little mini PC, and I put a camera on it, and I'm using the microphone off the camera, and I'm trying to because you have to teach yourself really to understand what these things can do. And one of the main things I want to do is I want to come down in the morning before I leave and say, "Hey, Cortana, what's the quickest route for me to get to work?" And then it will run its query and show me a map. That's kind of one of my ways. What are you finding from from Cortana? What are you finding useful? So the the um, kind of a fixed function right now. So one of the apps that I've uh, really been uh, enjoying and has helped the family out a lot is uh, an app called Wonderlist. And for a long period of time, I uh, still love OneNote. Works, uh, works out well for me. Okay, I want every time I want to go to share a desktop, I, <laughs> I, I, it doesn't it doesn't show me what I want. I'll keep talking there's, while I there's a new tab in there, by the way. So, in when you're sharing desktop or when you're sharing in Google Hangouts, there's two tabs. There's screens, and then on the next tab over, it will be specific yep. applications. Yeah, I popped into that, but it's not uh, it's not showing one of the applications I have open. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll. Uh, Talk it through. We'll we'll do the entire screen and I'll make it I'll oh, make it big. Go. That'll work. So um yeah so for years uh, so it was always Evernote versus OneNote and I always had sync problems with Evernote and I didn't like it and uh, OneNote I always loved had great luck with it but it's great for note taking not for making lists. List. It's not a great and, list maker. Yeah. Right. And even though you can do checkbox on it and you can share with each other. So I stumbled into this wonder list and it's available for PCs. You're seeing it on a desktop PC, Windows 10 right now. And uh, you uh, when runs on Windows phone, Windows tablets, uh, Android, uh, Apple, pretty much everything. And it syncs between all those, and there was an announcement here uh, probably a month or so ago that Wonderlist had uh, Cortana integration built in in the latest builds, and that's what got me interested. Uh, I always had a kitchen PC. I've gone from kind of a full-size 20-inch uh, 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 all-in-one, and I've taken that back to a smaller tablet that folds out from underneath the uh, counter um, and, and working on that right now. And and, and really, Jim, it's a lot, you know, um, one of my main use cases uh, with Cortana is uh, telling, I've uh, been doing a lot of cooking lately and, you know, telling it what to order up for groceries or what, what I need in the house. Um, so, you know, hopefully you see my grocery list right now. And as demos always fail when we try them, I'm holding my phone up in front of me and I'm going to uh, tell Cortana to add something to my uh, grocery list. So we'll give it a shot. Cortana, add ham to my grocery list. It is. There it goes. And what pops up on my Windows phone is a uh, the same list either, in, and it kind of ends up in two places. There's Wonder List on my phone, but also Cortana keeps its own set of lists, so it sees it. it those those are all synced to, together. Now the other side of um, um, the list function here in Wonderlist is by clicking on an item, it also brings up you can assign. Uh, so it's it's task oriented more for 
if I went over to my to-do list here, it's very task oriented. Um, I can set a date and a reminder. I can put in a subtask underneath this so you can build out a list of tasks underneath. You can add notes to that. You can add files to it. So it is, it is a nice to-do list uh, item. It's a nice grocery shopping list kind of thing. Um, integration seems to be very good so far. So that's one of the bigger spots I've, I've been using Cortana with. Um, the thing I want to play with more is I'm kind of redoing a lot of my smart things integration. And uh, there's a little bit of stuff going on with Cortana there. Uh, obviously, uh, Amazon's really kind of been leading the way with the uh, um, integration between um, is home automation and uh, voice actuation that way. But that's probably my next thing to tackle is to uh, see what I can do by way of uh, some of the smart home items with uh, Cortana. Well, of course, the list functionality with the with the Amazon devices comes standard. So you can, we, we've been creating our shopping list. That's a great, I mean, that, that by itself is a great, you know, uh, we can, one of, one of the nice things, anybody can come in the kitchen. This is interesting, though. It gets me thinking. I, because of you, I built a kitchen PC as well. So 24-inch touchscreen on the wall, which we really love, being run by Kangaroo PC, uh, kind of buried back behind it and actually double, you know, double-sided Velcro taped to the wall, which is kind of cool, hide all the wires up in there as well. It's kind of fun. We have a, We have a shared calendar on there that we all use. Um, you can send, it's got its own email address, so you can send events to it if you want to do it that way or just come up to it and, you know, put the event in. But, uh, you know, I need to get a microphone on that thing uh, so that we can allow Cortana say, hey, you know, set a reminder or add mm -hmm. this to the calendar. Um, it would work great in that setting. I'm not sure, now that Sarah is using the Amazon list so effectively, not sure I'd make the change, Kevin, to be honest with you. It's one of those, you know, it's like, ah, gosh, you know, there is some great functionality in this. And I've always struggled with list making uh, electronically anyway. And mm -hmm. from a personal standpoint, this might be something nice for me to try mm -hmm. to get all my work and personal lists in one place. And then I could sync it with, with Cortana here. Is there an Amazon, do you know if there's an Amazon skill for Wonderlist as well, where it'll add to the Wonderlist? Have you, have you seen anything like that? You know, I, I've not, uh, I've not looked at that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they had it. Um, their integration seems to be pretty good, but, and, and Jim, I couldn't agree more. If, if, you've got something that's working i would not upset the apple cart to uh to try this yeah. oh, we just got this thing right do not change it on me <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah and i think anything um if people are still looking for a tool or an environment or a way to uh, work within that i i was just very pleased at how easy that was to come together and the way i came at it was coming out of one note which OneNote's a very powerful tool, but it's way overkill for lists and, and things like this. So um, made Christmas shopping a lot easier, too. We won't uh, click on my holiday tab, but uh, it was an easy way for my wife and I to actually separate in stores and uh, you know be able to see each other checking off things as we were um, running through and uh, taking care of uh, holiday shopping. So yeah. that worked out very well. We did a shared Google Doc uh, or, or, or a sheet, right, for, for them where each person has its own column. And 
we all shared that. And that we've done that for a couple of years now, and that's worked out really well that everybody makes their own lists that way. Now, one of the things we could do a better job of is maybe anonymously checking them off or something, you know, so you kind of know, like, mm-hmm. hey, has this been bought yet uh, type deal. But um, that that's worked for us. What was the voice command again? So if I wanted to add to my wonder list from Cortana, what's the voice command to, to make that happen? What do you say? One of the first things you so the first thing you have to do when you load up Wonderlist is um, is get the two to to link with each other. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. just a little process to do that. Otherwise, once it learns what you're, so I I then went into Wonderlist and created um, my different lists: a shopping list, to do list, and a grocery list are the main three. And all I end up doing is uh, you know doing the uh, hey Cortana to wake it up and just say, um, uh, you know, add ham to my grocery list or add whatever to my shopping list, uh, you know. And so, and so Wonderlist becomes the default lists at that point for you. Yes. And, okay. Yep. So what? Yeah, Wonderlist kicks in there as default lists, and uh, um, I, I think the thing I've been pleasantly surprised with is um, Cortana understands my uh, Minnesota accent quite well. Doesn't seem to mess up on uh, on finding things. So I've um, been very very impressed with that. Have you seen that video with the two Scottish guys and they go into the elevator that's voice activated and they're trying to get it? <laughs> 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 that's uh, when you said your uh, your Minnesota accent. That I, you know, one of the things that's interesting. So when we think about the the Amazon devices, you can, and I haven't checked out some of the newest skills, so I, I don't know for sure. But th- that's not necessarily like so on my phone. There's no Amazon app that I can speak into on my phone to to do to do it that way. As having an iPhone, right? And um, I can do some of the Google Now stuff, but that's kind of restricted. I don't really have that running. I don't have the Google stuff running here. But with downloading Cortana onto my iPhone, I now have voice both at my desk and on my phone, unified commands. And I could use, I mean, this this is where I could use a wonder list to have work, uh, work lists, home lists. I wouldn't do groceries. We already do that on something else. But that could become that unified list maker for me across those platforms. Mm-hmm. And, and because Microsoft has done such a nice job of cross-platforming everything, it would be available on any device, Android, iPhone, Windows Phone, PC, Mac. Uh, it works on all of them. And that right. may be an interesting, you know, have that thing turned on. I do not have that turned on on my iPhone. I'd have to invoke it. But it would just be a matter of turning it on, find the Cortana, you know, Cortana app talking in, hey, add this thing to my my work list. Right. So maybe I'll give that a try. Yeah, I yeah. think there's, uh, and I think, um, oh, man, I just spaced his name. It'll come, uh, Kyle was mentioning using Wonderlist at work. Uh, I think he's doing IT work at a school now as uh, as his route for um, tracking his to-dos for projects and things. And yeah, I can see that being sort of a, a, a great um, poor person's um, help desk tool, you know, uh, you know, almost a ticketing kind of thing of you'd be able to pop things into um, this from a listing point of view, assign them to people, assign times to them, add. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at it more from a home home use point of view, family function. Um, but I think there are some probably deeper um, 
uh, applications for it. And there's a pro version uh, as well for uh, businesses. Uh, I did bring up, it looks like there were some changes to the API to work uh, between Amazon Echo and Wonderlist, um, as as I would expect, um, IFTTT is uh, mm. got all kinds of things going back and forth between Wonderlist and Echo. So, uh, but it would it would still require it's a skill, and so it'd require these very special language to get that done. Yeah. That's been a little frustrating with those yep. with those devices. They'll get more native. Uh, uh, Cortana has, from what I've seen from what you just did, has by far the easiest voice activation to a list in a native sense. Like you get that native functionality on Amazon to their lists, but right. those aren't that portable, right? You're going to, you, you got to open your phone. It's, I think maybe I could get to them on the web, uh, but I can only speak them in from an Amazon device, right? right? So I'm a little limited there. See, and that's I. Uh, when you mentioned Cortana, I think one of the things that popped me over a little over the top on Cortana is I've been popping back and forth between a Windows phone, and um, I had one of the earlier versions of the the One Plus phones. I had the One Plus One, the original, and that was uh, uh, running uh, Cyanogen Mod. Rest in peace, Cyanogen Mod. You you died way before your time. Um, <laughs> but they had Cortana up and running on that, and it worked great. So Cortana on my Windows devices, Cortana on that uh, that Cyanogen mod phone, um, you know, worked phenomenally well. And in some ways, you know, they're, they're probably in for some tough sledding. But back to this idea of Microsoft offering up their apps um, and Microsoft having some of the better apps on um, uh, Android and Apple, um, you know, I, I can see Cortana for a lot of folks just kind of being the easy route to get you to a standard voice um, that links into these other applications and devices. Whereas, you know, Apple's world and, and Android's world are gonna try to silo up on their own as difficult as it is, is to believe. Um, or uh, Microsoft is kind of the cross-platform guy these days, uh, you know, probably more than ever. It's a weird world we live in, isn't it? <laughs> from that standpoint, well, uh, from a studio perspective, uh, I've got the uh, I've got the Echo down here now, and we've messed with that on the show. We added Cortana in as well, so we did a little demo of that. I think that was in pre-show. We did it before the show, and and you know, just so you hear it, you can say Cortana, play a song, or Hey Cortana, play a song for me. Let's see if we can. You know, that never works when I'm in front of the mic. So let me try this. Hey Cortana, play a song for me. And um, let's see. Playing the, music. Oh, so it actually opened Groove Music for me. And I probably won't play too much music, but if you want to, uh, maybe I should not. Maybe I should not play that because it's copyrighted stuff. But uh, there you go. So you can you can hear that on it opened Groove. So um, I, I'm moving, as you see, I'm moving more and more. I, I guess I'm going to have to get a Google Home too. So I've got all three sitting here. I, I really <laughs> wish there was more integration that I didn't have to use a Google Home for, yeah. but uh, but that, that may be one of those that I pick up as well. What are you showing? Uh, just uh, Jason in chat uh, brought up a good point in being from Minnesota. I did, I did have some of this for Christmas, so I need to see if Cortana will understand it. Add Ludafisk to my grocery list. 
Isn't it funny how we, there you go. There you go. Isn't it funny how we, we, we really talk differently? And, and one of the things I'm trying to get in the habit of is not talking to it like it's different, like just talking to it in a normal cadence. In fact, the echo really struggles when I go echo like that, you know, as opposed to just saying, you know, echo play my Boston playlist for me, you know, and that it'll the playlist, see. Boston and more. And when I just do it that way, um, it oh, shouldn't play. Echo stop. So, um, you know, when I talk to it normally, and this is, uh, you know, I've been messing with it on the show, and you're under a little pressure when you're doing this kind of stuff, right? Because you, you want the demo to work, and then you end up talking differently. But when I, mm -hmm. when I speak to it normally, and so I think that's been the key. It's like I'm trying to learn to speak to these things like I would ask a normal human being the question. Right. I think that's where they're optimized. Sometimes we talk to it like it's a deaf person. And that's that video of the Scottish guys. You know, they're screaming at the thing. <laughs> and you're like, no, I think you should just it's talk all, to it. It's all good. You should just talk to it uh, normal. Well, I, I, 2017, I think, is the year of digital assistance. And I think we, mm -hmm. get, we get really good functionality between now and the end of the year, don't you think? I, I think it's going to come on a lot stronger. I think uh, we started the show with talking about CES a little bit, and that is the other thing, uh, a lot of announcements at CES about um, um, other vendors offering Amazon Echo functionality in their products or Google Home in their products. And, you know, we're starting to see some announcements around um, Harman Kardon speakers and um and uh, Lenovo bringing out some products. So, uh, you know, and I, I do think in a lot of ways, um, the embracing of these technologies by some of these other vendors is going to really help drive this stuff into the home. Yeah, well, they're, they're hitting in all these appliances. And, and, you know, the lightness of, you know, we have thought about having a computer and appliance for a long time, but a full version of Windows in an appliance is just a pretty big overkill, right? And and yeah. um, and so you you end up throwing this Amazon software in there, which is pretty light on the front end. I mean, if it mm -hmm. runs on a little bit Echo, or it runs on you know one of those cylinders, there's not a lot of horsepower in those things. I mean, obviously they figured out how to do it pretty uh, pretty light. Well, all of a sudden that footprint transfers pretty well to your fridge or to your oven or to right fill in the blank from that mm -hmm. standpoint. And you, you get this. I mean, I think the Echo and the fridge is the best combination of the two when we think about functionality of, hey, order this for me or add this to my shopping list or, you know, some of those kinds of things. It just gets it gets really super handy. So I think at, at a CES, I think we'll see more and more where that was kind of a joke before. I think now it's actually pretty, pretty real. And, of course, Amazon also has a full OS when we think, I mean, they made a mobile S, a mobile OS with Fire. And they're great at at at, um, at entertainment. So they've got they got the mojo. They've got all the stuff to do it. Integrating those in or convincing um, you know manufacturers to put that in the in those devices. Uh, I think this is the year they've actually started doing it. We're we're seeing a ton of that at CES. Yeah, I think, and I think this is going to be where people start you know kind of understanding what. Um, you know, kind of what the, uh, you know, the best point of process is, you know, we've, we've, so Samsung yet again, brought back the $5,000 refrigerator with the huge touchscreen on the front and the, uh, the multitude of sensors inside. And, you know, 
my my refrigerator is a mess to start with. And I'm I'm somewhat enamored with this idea of you know shopping or recipes and understanding what you actually have in in your home from a stock point of view or you know foodstuffs point of view. Um, but you know I, I think most of us work from a consumption point of view of well what did I just use and how do I get that on the shopping list? Um, uh, my apologies for being very shopping list centric on this show, but uh, that's good. Um, it's that time of year, right? We're, we have new resolutions. We're trying to be smarter about the things we buy. So I think it's very absolutely. applicable. So, you know, the, the one that I saw just uh, uh, on the news here before I uh, came up was, you know, kind of a different angle on this. That I think is very good is uh Genican. These guys came up with basically a barcode reader to put in your garbage can. So as you're going to throw st- something away, you just used all the ketchup and you uh, go to throw it away. This reads the barcode you uh, you would over any barcode reader and it, um, uh, it ties into your list. So I haven't had time to research this. It just looked like a cool idea. Yep, 125 bucks is probably a lot for something that sets in your garbage can. But... Um, <laughs> I like the I like this idea of you know instead of a five thousand dollar refrigerator with this intelligence to tell you how many you know eggs you have left in a carton, what if I could just scan the uh, egg carton as I'm throwing it away and that would add it to my shopping list. Right on, right on, and with Amazon Instant Delivery in a yes. lot of places. Like- uh, this uh, Amazon Dash replenishment is supported by this uh, Genicam uh, device. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of this is coming together from a, you know, very heavy ease of use kind of functionality. So. Yeah, no, good stuff. I, but you're right. I mean, you, you made a great business case for it there. 5,000 versus a hundred, you know, you look at it, you're like 130. Oh my God. Like seriously. And then you're like, Oh, well, wait a minute. It replaces a $5,000 refrigerator <laughs> that, you know, may or may not work. And this is, getting, you know, maybe getting the problem to the right point instead of it being in the fridge where, you know, you think cold and temperature and multiple sensors. This is as simple as, hey, did you run out? I mean, yep. you know, hey, okay, is it gone? And, uh, you know, and again, maybe years ago where you would have to go to the store to get it, in a lot of markets, especially here in the United States, in a lot of markets, I can have that nearly same day through grocery delivery from Amazon and, uh, and, yeah. you know, and look, if you can't have, if you have to be out of sour cream for 24 hours and that's a problem, maybe your schedule's a little too tight, right? From that no. standpoint. <laughs> How sour cream. Sour cream? I gotta have my sour cream. <laughs> um, you know, Hey, just wait for it tomorrow. It'll show up. So, uh, one of those interesting things, Kevin wouldn't be a show if we didn't talk about some kind of, uh, from any virus or some kind of tool, when we think about, uh, we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but Malware Bytes has certainly been the leader for us. And mm-hmm. uh, when we think about malware protection, they've recently, I don't know if you follow this, they've recently upgraded to both now malware and antivirus. Yes. Um, and so those are available. Have you followed that? Are you think, is it legit? Can I, can I make one purchase now with them and, and kind of have both solutions? I, I it, that's a great topic. I wish I had an answer. I'm, I'm in the uh, my uh, my 
my yearly upgrade of my or my yearly fee for my pay for antivirus uh, is coming up shortly. And that's kind of the process I'm in right now. Um, I think it was the last show you and Christian did uh, drifted off into antivirus pretty heavily and kind of this ongoing discussion between antivirus. Do you really need it? Malware? Do you really need it? Everybody's adding. Um, and, and, and I'm still very much in the camp that malware and big fan of malware bytes. Um, malware bytes has added in addition to um uh, the antivirus uh, functionality, they've dug in pretty heavily with um, uh, anti-exploits. So I noticed that, uh, you know, the, the pro version that I installed uh, for my update versions of malware bytes um, into when, when Office 365 comes up, I get a little note in the corner that, you know, if I'm opening a file, it uh, malware bytes is scanning it for exploits. And uh, it's added some extra stuff to my browsing capabilities as well. Um, so, you know, I'm, it, that's a great question. I'm probably in the camp of, of see if, if life is okay with just running off from malware bytes uh, now that it's, you know, showing um, that it, that it's proposed to be a full product across the board. And I kind of think they had to do that because, um, my other good friend uh, website AV tests is showing that, you know, most of the AV guys are starting to throw malware functionality in. So um, Bitdefender and uh, Avira. And uh, yeah, I think I threw this in the show notes as well. Um, AV tests, probably one of the best places to go um, pick out whether you're uh, a home user, a Mac, a home user, or a business user and pick your OS over on the side. You can go back to Windows, I'm sorry, across the top, Windows 8, Windows 7, all the way back to Windows XP, and they have their top picks, and um, that have top picks also have free versions, but, you know, the usual suspects are here, uh, Avira, Bitdefender, uh, Kapersky, um, Quick Heal, I haven't played with at all, but Trend is, is back in the hunt there as being some of the top uh, products out there. Um, I do think it bears to note that Microsoft uh, Defender is not doing well these days as far as protection goes, probably one of the worst out there. Um, but, um, you know, I'm I'm still a fan of, uh, the, you know, the McAfee suite and, you know, they've done very well over time here. And I know several people are probably screaming and hollering about McAfee. That's why it's called Intel Security now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think all, I think things are heating up from the point of view that the average person is not seeing that much problem from traditional viruses. It's more malware and small businesses are getting ravaged by ransomware. And I noticed, um, and I haven't seen really how they're, how they're doing this, but I think it's part of their anti-exploit functionality. Um, they're really digging into trying to be able to pick up ransomware attacks uh, before you get in trouble. So whether it's scanning that email message coming in or scanning um, the website you're heading to or on, um, they're really trying to um, give some added protection for people all the way around uh, that functionality. Yeah. Yeah, and I use, I'm a Bitdefender guy. That's kind of where I've landed. And uh, they've got some functionality I can turn on that kind of checks the sites in advance, right? So you can kind of see uh, when I'm in a web page before I click on it, there's a little green check mark that says, yeah, you want to do this. I'm open, and oh, we talked about this on Cyber Frontiers too. Open DNS is kind of something I put on 
the router here, just uh, everybody kind of goes through OpenDNS, which is now owned by Cisco. Uh, mm -hmm. A recent change, Cisco bought that a year or so ago, maybe more. And um, and it kind of gives you, again, that, that kind of reduces your security footprint some, uh, attack surface, as Christian would say. Mm -hmm. you know, it reduces your attack surface and gives me another level, you know, yeah, I'm safe, but is my daughter being safe? And, you know, is my wife being safe? And anti-phishing and anti-exploit and some of those kinds of things. Uh, it's very helpful. Hey, I saw uh, when you were sharing your screen, I saw a Drobo with five four terabyte drives in there. Is that uh, is I seeing the right thing? You got a five oh, yeah. five N or five D? What do you what do you got there? Five N. Let's uh, uh, hang on. Bring that back up, coming man. Back. That made me proud, coming, Kevin. Coming I, it's been a while since I've seen somebody else besides me. <laughs> uh, throwing throwing a drobo out there. So is there so. is there dollar signs in the chat room? <laughs> hey, they've gotten they're coming down. I I the new guys oh. uh the the new guys are uh, not. I've seen a bunch of deals out there and uh, the, not, not uh, a bad time for somebody looking for direct attach that uh, that five C is very affordable and uh, uh, so yeah I've got a five N uh, so the network product got four four terabyte drives in it. I'm uh, uh, I've put not a lot on it yet. I'm I'm kind of taking the time to rearrange my uh, data, my information and, and get things moved over there, but very happy with it. I, I think a lot of whether it's Drobo or Synology or, you know, any of the storage devices versus a little server running Windows or Linux or something like that. Um, I just kind of hit this point at home of wanting um, two separate uh, to separate those environments. So I wanted storage to be on a platform and I've always liked Drobo and uh, just, you know, kind of wanted, wanted to give them another shot. I played with Synology and QNAP and some of those products. And, um, you know, you'd mentioned how they, you know, they changed uh, ownership a couple of times and uh, um, the app structure was very solid again. Um, uh, some of you know, some of the applications I was hosting, uh, things like Minecraft servers for my daughter and I to play on and, you know, certain other things that were server-based applications. I got a little, I've got, I've got a smaller server um, running uh, Hyper-V, um, not, not Windows server, but just the straight flat out Hyper-V with a bunch of Windows and Linux uh, virtual machines on it. And that's my application environment. So I, I basically have two things, um, but I kind of like it that way because now my storage and my application environment are not dependent on each other and it makes my life uh, a bit easier. And uh, yeah, back and the, on Dro the, the Drobo is a champ with CrashPlan. Like, yes, you know, yep. there's a lot of complaints about CrashPlan on Windows but running crash plan. So I have a single instance of crash plan. So I'm down to their lowest plan and it's unlimited. So whatever that yep. is, 40 bucks a year, maybe mm -hmm. not even that much, something like that. And one instance and I, everything that gets saved goes onto the Drobo. Flip over to your capacity tab there real quick and, sure. uh, and show that. So, and then what kind of, are you running green drives, uh, red drives, blue drives, black drives? <laughs> what do you got in there? What, what is it, mass drives? So, so, I'm uh, um, all of these drives are drives I uh, bought off a friend of mine in the uh, in the industry, and um, so we can we can start with uh, where's my drive 
of information. So the top drive, that is an enterprise uh, Western Digital. The uh, next drive is an enterprise WD. I think that's an enterprise WD. That is, the last two are what they're calling their um, drives now, which are really the, the green drives um, just in their latest format. So um, the top three are enterprise drives. The bottom two are greens. And uh, back before Christmas, I got an alert from the Drobo that one of my drives had failed, uh, popped out. It was an enterprise drive that, uh, that I'd had for many, many years, and uh, it died. I popped it out, put in one of these greens to replace it, and uh, it was back, synced up, cleaned up, and ready to go in, uh, in, in no time. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the that's the functionality that I really like uh, when it comes down to you know it's in my case uh, with the Drobo, I've got mixed drives associated with it, so some threes, some twos, and a one I think in there, and I'm getting pretty close to filling that thing up in its current status. I've got two drive redundancy on, so I could lose two drives out of the five and be okay and replace them. And that takes up a lot of space to do that. Um, but uh, when I need to upgrade, uh, I'll pick up a four terabyte or a two, maybe two four terabyte drives at the time and mm -hmm. uh, just pull them out one at a time. And here I'll, uh, while we're, we'll switch over here. Let me see sure. if I can, uh, if I can switch over to mine, I'll show a different configuration here. Let's uh, give me a second to do that. If you're, if you're watching the, uh, if you're listening to this, we apologize. <laughs> for that, try to explain that as much as we can. That gives you a pretty big shot of the 5N there. And so one, two one terabyte drives, all green by the way, three, a three terabyte, two three terabyte drives and a two terabyte drive. And so my plan is, you know, with the capacity and those turned on, I got about 700, by the way, I have 730 gig left. That's a lot of space to be honest with you. I mm -hmm. mean, filling up 730 gig is still a little bit of a task, right? And so I'm, I'm in no hurry, but uh, for me, I'll just come back to the status tab and I'll probably replace these two one terabytes with two four terabyte drives, which right now are pretty cheap, right? That's probably the sweet spot, four terabytes, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've been, they've been uh, well, under a hundred bucks uh, all through Christmas time. And um, boy, I think I saw some five terabyte drives down around that hundred dollar point. So yeah, they, they've been dropping pretty rapidly here. Yeah, four or five terabyte drives, throw them in there. That would bump that capacity right up for me, and uh, and be back in business from a from a storage. So it's just drop. It's just so drop dead easy uh, for me uh, on these. And like I said, the the um, the app infrastructure is back with them, and so like Crash Plane's working real well. And I mean, I just it's it's a whole different world. And so it's ah, man, I cannot. And the pricing is getting good. I I can't. It's a hard. It's hard for me not to say Drobo's back. You know, it's it's good. They're, they're doing very well, and and one of the uh, one of the communities they're very focused on uh, is uh, the Apple community and the photography, graphic art kind of community. Um, you know, they, they've got that little mini box that you could you know, load up with two and a half inch drives, load it up with SSDs and have a really fast little device. Um, probably a, a better reason for SSDs is uh, you know it's your mobile photo shoot. Um, to it and sync it when you get back, uh, but yeah, they, they've um, yeah, they've done very well, and uh, are, you know, the the technology is really sound. Um, 
there's been a bit of a question with some of these other devices of, you know, if, if my Synology box dies, um, you know, can I move these drives over to another, another Synology box? And generally that works, but there can be a few issues there. Um, that a little bit on Drobo before I got some data on it of moving. I had a 5D and just moving from um, a five, you know, USB-based device to the network device time, but it picked up the drives and brought them right over. So, yeah, you, you bring them over in order. You just yep. pull them out, and they've got a little migration thing on online where just, hey, I'm migrating from this device to this device, pull the drive out, put it in, spin it up. Yep. And, uh, and so, um, that's been, that's been very, very cool. I, it's, it's been a pleasure. I've been trying to get them on the podcast. I think mm-hmm. they've been spinning up for CES. So yeah. I, yeah. I haven't got, I haven't gotten, um, this is not the best time to ask test tech companies for interviews, right? right. They are, it's pretty, uh, pretty, they pretty busy all, time. Yeah. They're all at CES, but, uh, but no, good to see you're having a good experience with it. I, I have, yeah. you know, been a long time Drobo fan and, and it's just, uh, it just works for me and it's been awesome to, one of the, they have a brand new iPhone app, iPhone only for the moment, but they have a brand new, brand new every picture. Uh, when mm-hmm. you come in Wi-Fi range, automatically uploads it to your Drobo. And then of course I just back those up automatically to crash plan. So yep. I, don't, I don't have, it's one of those kinds of things. It's just, I get a notice, Hey, pictures are all backed up. And, um, that's pretty cool. Their uh, remote access stuff is is very good on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there there was a product. That, so for some people who wanted to do kind of their own cloud environment, um, own cloud was kind of a popular one to try out there. The own cloud app. Uh, so own cloud hasn't fared well from people adding it onto their existing servers. Um, the own cloud app in Drobo seems to work pretty well. If 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 yeah. somebody's looking to have that uh, kind of app structure, yeah, um, it works works good. And, and, and I'm getting uh, updates from them about as often as I get updates from Microsoft at this yeah. point. So it's not pretty frequently. Um, pr- pretty good to see them, you know, doing their doing their thing. So pretty cool. Well, Kevin, we're at our time limit, and uh, I try to keep these at an hour twenty. But uh, mm-hmm. see how fast they go. <laughs> we were mentioning during the show. You're like, hey, I scale back my show notes because uh, we always seem to have enough. It's always good to have you on. Always good to catch up with you. I know uh, uh, it's always great to have you. You've got this really eclectic group of things that we talk about, but you really bring some stuff in it uh, for for tonight. You know, just some really applicable as we think about the, the inking and the Cortana work that's there. We think about just uh, 3D printing that we talked about, all that really average guy stuff in a lot of way. Nothing mm-hmm. Uh, nothing the average guy couldn't do from that standpoint and storage here at the end, including a little chat about antivirus. So Kevin, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. There you go. Great to have you on. Hang around for a few minutes. We'll do some post show. Sure. I'll remind everyone, don't forget we have a Patreon link available for you. If you want to financially support the show, head out to theaverageguy.tv and look for the link. It's right on the right hand side. You can't miss it. Or just go to theaveragueguy.tv slash support. That'll get you there as well. One in $5 plans for now. I mentioned, uh, you know, I did stickers at one point. If you guys have something interesting that I could do, that we could do a little Patreon support with, maybe a little branding for the for the website, let me know, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Shoot it to me over there on Twitter at Jay Collison. Don't forget the TheAverageGuy.tv platform. Both the web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove Partners, and Christian just went through a massive upgrade at Maple Grove Partners. I mean, massive it is lightning fast. And, uh, of course, he and Gary do bang-up job. 
uh, over there. And so we appreciate the work that they do. Really optimized for podcasting, but if you had a website, if you want to start something, actually Christian will do anything for you. So if you want, uh, if you're looking for something, plan start is in as, as inexpensive as $10 a month to be able to do that. Super fast, super high speed, really reliable, great stuff. And he's probably one of the smartest kids I know. Head over maplegrovepartners.com and get signed up. And uh, if you have any questions, you can let me know or just contact Christian. He is very accessible from that standpoint. I want to thank Roger over at WLMN Radio for broadcasting this live. Terrestrial Radio out of Grafton, West Virginia. And we appreciate that uh, in the work that you do. Although I'm not sure, Kevin, I, he gives me an hour slot. And we always go an hour 20. So I don't think this part ever makes it actually on the podcast because i think we uh, before that uh before that happens but uh, roger thanks for doing that as well one more one more reminder and i know kevin i know you use this don't forget to use our mobile app especially when you're traveling probably the best way to listen to home gadget geeks and kevin you've listened to us right through the app uh, yeah. as you've been traveling as you've been flying you're not flying as much now are you no no not not as much but uh, the, the app works great and uh yeah Seems good. to be a good way to uh, follow up the show. Yeah, built by Spreaker, which is great, and then uh, sponsored by LastPass. We appreciate their sponsorship of Home Gadget Geeks, and uh, and that's available for you for free. So head out to homegadgetgeeks.com to get that. And then don't forget about the newsletter, um, again, during the holidays. I, I'm, I'm about once a month on that thing, but so I definitely won't spam you, but if you want to keep up with what's going on. Head over to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter, and you can catch up on at least the most recent one I have out there. Uh, Loria Petrucci is going to join us next week, and, of course, she was Geek Brief. She was Callie Lewis before, and Geek Brief, Geek Beat, all those. Uh, and she's, she's got some Geek Life. I think Geek's Life uh, is what she's doing now. She'll come on and talk some gadgets with us next week, and so we're excited to have her. So that's what's coming up. So if you haven't caught a live show, that might be the one you want to catch live. I mean, this is awesome. Kevin, you were awesome. You rocked it tonight. But uh, next week, if you want to come out and uh, join us live, love to have a big crowd out here next week, Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. I do tweet. I have an auto tweet that goes out if you need a reminder of when the show is coming up. And then usually I try to tweet a few minutes before the show just to remind you to come out. Follow me at Jay Collins. And we're live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out the average guy at TV Live. If you're listening in the chat room, stay around for the post show. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>